1: Hey, welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. Today is uh, April 29th. This is the last day, by the way, uh, to sign up for the drawing for the uh, Be Strong blood flow restriction system. It's a $429, $430 system that we're giving away tomorrow on the air. Uh, if you're a friend of mine on Facebook, go to the Superhuman Radio Network page or on my personal Facebook page and click the link and get your name in there. Uh, because some lucky winner is going to be announced tomorrow on the live show. And tune in tomorrow. I might, you may hear your name. Who knows? Um, before we get started with an epic show, I predict, a returning guest, a guy I have a lot of respect for, and I've known him for a long time, actually. Before he was a doctor, before he had his PhD, he's smiling. Uh, but anyway, uh, I got to give... Uh, A shout-out to our title sponsor, and that's Legendary Foods. Right now, we have a special deal with them that if you go to EatLegendary.com and use the code SHR10, you'll get 10% off of everything, including their Tasty Pastry, which is an upgraded Pop-Tart with less than one gram of sugar uh, and all of the delightful deliciousness and decadence of eating crap food uh, and with nine grams of protein. You can't go wrong. But they also have, and you shouldn't uh ignore these they have the best seasoned almonds and the best nut butters in the world bar none and i and i say that with com- complete humility and honesty because i have eliminated sugar from my diet and sometimes i just want something sweet and i'll just get a tablespoon of one of their nut butters and i'm very very satisfied with that and i am not a fan of almonds i realized that this morning this morning i was eating couple handfuls of the uh, pizza-flavored almonds, and I thought to myself, man, these are so good, and I thought, you know, I never really gravitated to eating almonds until I started eating the legendary almonds, because they're so fresh, and the uh, spices that they add to them uh, make them so delicious, so you can check those out, show them some love. Uh, They really do help make this uh, show possible. And uh, now we'll bring my guest on here. There we go. Turn his volume up. None other than Dr. Dr. Brett Contreras. He doesn't. He doesn't go around letting people call him doctor. But I thought I'd give him a hard time today. How you doing, Brett?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on.
1: So I got to tell this story. So first of all, I'm, I'm wearing my Arizona State University hat, which I had to find. I, I couldn't even find it in honor of Brett because that that's this is his old alma mater when he was in Arizona. And when I lived in Arizona, going through my divorce, I heard about this guy. Uh, my my niece was the vice president of an advertising agency uh, called Mart's Agency, and the girl who owned the agency, uh, she had this thing called the Burner. And it was uh, a little platform that you got on, and it looked like a tricep-type uh, movement, but it really wasn't. It was a, gl- a glute thrust. And she says, oh, yeah, this guy, Brett Contreras, uh, created this, and we're in partners with him. We're going to start marketing it. And I thought, this is brilliant. No one I mean, sure, wrestlers did neck bridges and stuff like that, but that was for your neck. Nobody really ever started talking about focusing on... The glutes as a primary mover in a movement before you. I'm going back to 2008 now, 2007, actually, that you developed that product, right? Yep. And lo and behold, all these years later, you have become the glute guy. And you've, you know, I talked about this in the write up for today's show. Around 1991, JLo came on the scene, and she was a different uh, actress, not just because of her ethnicity, but she had this proud, Round butt, and all of a sudden, it gave women who had big round asses the right to have them and made them popular. But then the girls who didn't have them wanted them all of a sudden. And before you, really, I, I can't, I-, I have to say this, and maybe you're going to say, Well, no, there was another guy that I learned from, but before you, women who had flat butts really short of surgery they had no options and then you come out and start focusing on certain movements targeted movements and all of a sudden every girl who had wa- who wants it who wants to put in the work can have a beautiful i call it an anti-gravity ass
2: i mean i don't think there was there were any like pure glute specialists you know uh so I think I was like the OG of, uh, you know, the glute experts. And it's funny because now there's like, you know, probably 50 of them on Instagram. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it's funny. I, I started it off, but yeah, it was 2006 when I thought it up. And, uh, you know, Carl, I thought it up watching UFC fights. Uh, there, there, I was like, man, buck him off of you, buck him off of you. How come you're not even trying to, to bridge up? And maybe if you had stronger glutes and more explosive glutes, you would, you'd throw your hips up and get the guy off of you. So I thought, how could you load that? How could you add range of motion to it, make it a better exercise? And that's how I thought up the hip thrust.
1: You know, it's really funny. So uh, you've gained a lot of your popularity because of the aesthetic effects of your work. But the reality is, and I've said this to people at my gym in the past, uh, I really, my squat and my deadlift improved once I started to do hip thrust. So for those of us guys out there who are interested in in getting stronger in these types of movements? Uh, really, you're the first person to come out and say. I mean, I know you've worked with NFL football players who they they increase their explosive uh, uh, launch into a sprint because of the work that they're doing. And you know, there's always been this thing. Well, you know, if you want to squat, you got to. If you want to learn to be strong in the squat, you got to squat more. And so people will discount the value of a hip thrust. But if you want to learn how to get out of the hole with big weight on your back, start to hip thrust. That's what I figured out. You know, it's
2: funny. And these linemen, you know, they they would – they weigh they weighed 350 pounds. They would do – you know, I wouldn't even have to add much load because they're sinking their hip. I would actually elevate their back and their feet. And they'd sink down, thrust up, and they'd be – they'd get this crazy glute pump. And they'd go, wow, I really like that. I, I – You know, it's nice to not feel like I have to put hundreds of pounds on my back and wear a belt and put knee wraps on just to work my glutes. You know, they they really liked it um, back in the day when I trained more athletes. Now I train mostly bikini competitors. But it's a
1: a tough life. Somebody's got to do it right (laughs) now. Didn't you get married not too long ago?
2: No, never got
1: married. Oh, okay, So you're still single. Still single. So when you're out and about, do women ever ask you, they say, they ever say to you, my God, you know, because of you, I've got this great butt. Will you sign my ass?
2: I've had the math (laughs) at one time. but That's classic. About, uh, you know, Instagram, because, you know, I, I came from being a high school math teacher in Scottsdale and, uh, you know, you come from a math teacher. I was making like 30 grand a year back in the day, you know, and then slowly working up as a personal trainer but now being on Instagram and having you know I'm almost at a million followers it's like people start treating like you like you're some celebrity and like last time I was in LA for the LA Fit Expo some I come out of this restaurant yard house and some some girl was like oh my god you're Brett Contreras and I'm like yeah And she's like oh my god oh my god can I get a picture and she's like Hands hands her phone to my friend Paul, and she's shaking so bad. Her hand is just shaking, Aww. and I, you know, I take a picture of. It. I'm like, "Are you going to be okay?" And I give her a hug. She's like convulsing, and I'm like, "I'm just a normal guy. Trust me." And she goes, "Like she's like, no, you're not. You're a god." And I, I'm like, "What? It's so funny that you know I've I've always I I don't ever want to get some crazy ego." You know, what if Instagram went down tomorrow? I'd be back to back on the drawing board, so I don't want to get an ego about it. But,
1: but you don't have that personality either. You, you know, there are certain people who yeah. quietly they aspire to be famous, and I don't think you're all about the work. You're not about the fame at all.
2: Yeah, and especially starting out, it was just, you know, I'd have all these guys in the industry that would say, God, Brett, you're going about it all wrong. Why are you giving away all your information for free, and you could make so much money if you did this? And I'm like, They're telling me what to do, and I'm going like this in terms of popularity and spreading the word, and my methods are now all over the world. That was what I was after. I just wanted the hip thrust and all the other things that I do to become popular, and the money didn't come until, like, probably, like, seven years in, eight years in, I started making really good money, but I I never cared about that, you know? And now, you know, it's funny, Carl, like, when I came here, this is my gym. You know, this is my gym glute lab, right and and when I when I started here I just you know I make money online and I if there was nothing online I'd be poor because in, in real life I have a hard time charging people and I just work with I just start training everyone here for free and uh, you know giving them equipment and stuff giving them free glute loops and yeah. free everything and and I just did that to be nice but I actually think it was an, an awesome strategy because I never thought about this. They're tagging me all the time, and then I share it, and we build each other up, you know, and that's, it was kind of a unique, uh, cool thing, my glute squad, and the people that I work with here, I've actually never charged any of them. I just train them for free, uh, just because I just, when I know their situation, I'm like, man, it's expensive out here in San Diego. I want them to have some right. user money for them, and it ended up being good for both of us, you know, because some of these girls, that, you know, they'll have like 30- Thirty to seventy thousand followers, and they tag me. But it also just gives social proof; like it like, works.
1: Yeah. So you're you're an extremely humble guy, and you've always been that way. And 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 I, and I get it. I because I've known who you are for a long time, and you've been coming on the show for at least a decade now. Yeah. Um, who had the biggest influence on that p- part of your personality, as far as your, your parents or your family? I don't think it was.
2: I think it was just. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it was a, a person I modeled it after. It was um <clears throat> my just being such a skinny kid, I had no self-esteem. And yeah. I remember like in seventh grade, we all started lifting weights like in my friend's backyard, and you know, they'd have the barbell and then like a ten pound on each side, and they'd be doing sets of ten. And I remember unracking the bar, just the bar, and I came down and I was pinned, I couldn't lift it. And they were like no, you got to do this. You got to do this. I tried like five different times and they were like, wow, I can't believe you're that weak. And yeah. I was so skinny, so weak. My grandma would always put her hand around my arm yeah. and it would touch and she'd go, she'd just shake her head at me. So I never thought I'd be anything. Like yeah, the fact that I'm just look, look like I even lift now. I'm, I'm happy, you know, <laughs> like, I never thought I'd become some. So you're always that. Or, and
1: I, 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 I understand what you're saying because I was a very fat kid. And so I got humiliated for being fat, but you never lose that person. Even when you grow up and you become someone different, you still see life through those eyes, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, It's really touching. So you've uh, released a new book. How many books have you written now? Three. Okay. So you released a new book here and it's, uh, it's called the, uh, Glute Lab. I'm sorry. It's called, yeah, it's called Glute Lab. It's, uh, the sci- the art and science of strength and physical uh, physique training I'm sorry I uh, see you you have the effect on me too I'm shaking and I I can't even get my words out um, what's different about this book than other books that you've done before
2: well body uh, bodyweight strength training I anatomy mean, I wrote that was just a bodyweight book and then strong curves was a it was a, a book on glute training for women right. but this glute, uh, what I loved about glute lab is a uh, my my like, I waited around. It's funny because I don't need to be – like I don't pitch book deals to people. I don't reach out to people. I just do my own thing in life, and I'm a, trying to manage Instagram and put out content and train myself and train people and read research, and that keeps me busy enough. So I'm in no hurry to like – I'm not pitching book deals to, to companies. They came to me, and I said, okay, I would love to write a book, but I want Glenn Cordoza to, to, to co-author it with me. Because he just crushed it with Supple Leopard. You know, that book was Kelly Starrett. He oh, killed yeah. it. I, I, th- I,
1: I think I had Kelly on, on the show. I didn't have him. But yeah, I, I did a show about that. when they first that, that book came out, what, like nine years ago, right? Eight years ago? You know, Maybe I like six, yeah, I
2: yeah. mean, it was like, yeah. probably, yeah. They killed it, and Glenn did a good job. So I'm like, okay, I want Glenn to be on my co-author. And Glenn calls me up. He's like, Brett, I'm so busy. My wife's going to kill me if I write another, if I jump right in another book can you find someone else? And I said, no, I'll wait. And he's like, it could be a couple years. And I'm like, I'll wait that that'll be fine. I'll just gain more expertise, you know, during that time. And he's like, okay, I'll give you a call when I'm ready. about a year later. He calls me up and he's like, okay, I'm ready. Let's do this. And we took two years on this book. We spent two years writing this book. I mean, and we, that what I love about it is, uh, you know, the, the, the the, uh, uh, owner of the company, uh, his name's Erish. he just kind of like, you know, <laughs> I know he's going, because Glenn and I are both kind of like OCD. We want we want it to be so comprehensive. And they're going, God, it's like when we submitted, it was like 750 pages. They're like, you can't sell us 700. We have to condense it to 606 pages. We had to condense it to. So it was so hard for us to like reformat it and condense it down. But, and what, up, and what do you
1: get rid of, right? Because you, you realize everything in was, here is important. So right. how do we sacrifice something?
2: Well, that was so hard. It's like cutting off a, a finger or something. You're like, <laughs> oh, this is so important. But this book, I mean, you go look at the ratings and, you know, there's like a thousand, uh, around a thousand ratings right now. And almost all of them are five star because, I, I mean, I feel like it's the best. I mean, I have all the books in strength and conditioning. I think it's the best that anyone's, I mean – not trying to brag but we put more time and energy in it in the in than anyone and uh, and I think it it comes across well but we got to tackle top I delved into nutrition I delved into like training around pain and injury program design exercise technique it's very comprehensive
1: so I was thinking about this interview in anticipation of it I was thinking to myself you know I, I um, in 2000 and, uh, um 16 I crushed my left foot and I lived with the crushed foot. I continued to train I continued to squad I continued to do everything but then uh, in 2018 I underwent two foot surgeries in that year and so all just about all of my lower body strength just disappeared and the thing that I lost first was my glutes, And once my glutes, you know, I'm like you. I have that disease, no ass at all, you know. And so I always had that flat ass when I was a young man. But when I started to lift heavy, you know, I just developed a really great butt. And 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 it contributed a lot to many, many things that I was able to do, sprint and so on. Well, I lost my glutes. And now I'm noticing that my gait has changed. Uh, my hips are changing the way they work. I'm starting to get a knee problem in my left knee my ankles aren't and I realized at that moment that the glutes contribute so much more than we give credit to because they really are I mean you're I, unless you're doing seated leg extensions anything else your your quads and hamstrings depend on your glutes to be the foundation for them to drive and push and so and the spinal erectors, they're just hanging in the wind if it's not for the glutes stabilizing them. You know, the glutes could be, I, I would say, very underestimated in their contribution to overall physical strength. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, the,
2: like the pendulum will swing and like in the, in the 70s and like the – well, growing up learning about bodybuilding, Carl, did you ever hear anyone talk about glutes? Like it was no. –
1: other, other, get, other than them being striated when you lost enough body fat and water, yeah, yeah. that's
2: it. You need to be conditioned, but no, about glute training, it was just, this is what you do for quads, this is what you do for hams, and your glutes just kind of developed because you trained quads and hams, and some people got nice glutes that way, but not everyone. They never targeted, and it's funny, because you look, and they did shrugs for their traps, and they did all, all three delt raises, and they did curls and tricep extensions and flies. They, tra- and- they
1: trained their necks but they,
2: they never, trained, you're right but no one trained their glutes they'd they even train forearms but you'd they'd never train glutes and uh it was like the one muscle that you couldn't isolate you know and then and then a lot of that was like you know no one cared that much but Vince Gironda he was like anti the glutes shouldn't be very big the quad should be huge and you don't want to do too many squats to get the glutes big you want to do Duck squats, or like a narrow stance, mm-hmm. or like sissy squats sissy and,
1: and hack
2: right. squats with a duck stance and stuff. And and um, then you know t- times changed, and then I helped. You know, you mentioned like the 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 J Lo, the Kim Kardashian, all this this kind of new era coming in, and uh, and then. That coincided with me coming out with like, hey, look, you can do it if you want. Here's your tools. Here's all the exercises. But does the pendulum swing too far eventually? I don't know. Sometimes people can think glutes are like there are other – If from a functional standpoint, other muscles are important too. They're all important. But I do think glutes, if I had to – I mean, knowing what I know about human anatomy and physiology and biomechanics, if I had to say what is the most important muscle in the body, I would say glutes because – if you look at, think of like a muscular anatomy chart, the glutes are kind of right there, the centerpiece, mm-hmm. the keystone, but they're involved in so many different things. Like the the mere fact that they're involved in not just hip extension, but hip external rotation and hip abduction. Think about when you swing a bat. You know, I always do this at conferences. I'll show right. it. When I'm back here, I'm in hip flexion, hip adduction, and hip internal rotation. And I do this, and I I use all three actions of the glutes. Hip, I end up in hip extension, hip abduction, hip extra rotation. So you use all three of the glutes in that one movement. But they also uh, – a lot of people don't know this, that uh, 70 to 85% of the attachments are, are to fascia. So only about, you know, 15 to 30% attached to, like, the gluteal tuberosity, um, you know, on the femur. Right. Most, of it, most of the attachments are to fascia. So it influences a lot through like, you know, myofascial force transmission. So you're getting, it connects to the IT band and the IT band connects to the tibia. So you can almost think of it as a tendon down to the, to, to the lower leg. You know, it attaches to the SI joint, to the erector and stuff. And the transfers kind of through the thoracolumbar fascia up to the lat. So I think it influences a lot of movement throughout the
1: body. So uh, a lot of people suffer from... Everybody I talk to who has lower back problems, it's, you know, it's uh, L4, L5, S1. And we sit on our ass all day long. And the movements we do perform, as a rule, have very little glute activation in them. Could hip thrust actually benefit a guy who's trying to increase... Uh, let's say uh, the the space between vertebrae and loosen up those vertebrae in that region of the lumbar spine. Do you think that that motion is good for the lumbar spine?
2: So, I do think it's good for the lumbar spine. I don't think it increases the distance. I am, but so that in this in this pain science world, there's a lot of that's this pendulum swinging too, where everyone all they knew about was biomechanics and there was. And I was like that 10 years ago. If you had back pain, I'm like, you have a weak core and you have weak glutes. You need to strengthen your, you know, you need to be doing your, your glute activation every day. You need to do some planks and side planks and stuff like that. And then we realized there's much more to it, pain and, and, and there's much more to pain than just biomechanics. There's a lot more factors. Then the, the biopsychosocial model became popular and it, especially with chronic pain, it's like, it has a lot to do with your psychology and sociology. But, uh, but interestingly, all the pain people would say, well, you know, there's so many nocebo and pl- placebo and nocebo effects out there. For example, if you're told like glutes are really important for back pain and then you don't have big glutes and then I'm your trainer and I'm like, man, does your back hurt? Because you don't have any glutes. You could theoretically manifest back pain just b- believing it. Yeah. You know? So uh so when when people start saying like I started doing hip thrusts and my back feels better a lot of the pain scientists just assume cuz they don't have a lot of experience as a trainers they just think oh well, it's probably placebo effect or something but there's way too many anecdotes I mean if I put it on my Instagram and said how many of you start feeling better when you start doing hip thrusts and and some band work like some abduction exercises uh, I would have so many, just thousands of people come in saying, i I know for a fact I did. So there has to be something to it. As to the mechanism, does stronger glutes spare other structures? Because now you're using your glutes more, you use these other structures less. You move more at the hips and less at the spine. You know, when you deadlift, when you sweat, when you pick things off the ground, when you do things, you might tense your glutes more or just move at the hips more instead of mm-hmm. rounding your back. We don't really know the mechanism, but it could, you know, it, it, it could theoretically create less, you know, create like better movement patterns, which create less damage. But the, the pain science can is trying to get away from this whole damage talk because you can MRI people, you can MRI people. And, you know, say I say I took a hundred people who had no back pain or no knee pain or no shoulder pain or no hip pain. And I, and I MRI them, imaged them. I, You'd find around 30% of people who have a lot of damage. But no pain. You, no, yeah. but no pain. Like herniated discs, for example. And it depends on the age. Like, it goes up as you age. Right. But say 30% of people would have no back pain, even though I had, they had herniated discs. And you're like, how do they not have pain? It's kind of crazy.
1: You know, I, I I seem to recall, you know, I've been doing the show for 14 years, literally four to five days a week. But I remember having Stuart McGill on the show when he wrote the book, Fix Your Own Back. And I could have sworn I asked him about hip thrusts and he was working with you. Was he not? Didn't you guys get together on something? Yeah, I, I flew out to meet him and we
2: did some stuff at his lab. And, you yeah, know, it was interesting to see because I read this research. It was cool to see this is where it gets done. You know, here's his model of the spine and how they load it up. And they, they take these, you know, uh, models like a, a – a, interestingly, they use the pig spine – the, the porcine cervical spine is very similar to the human lumbar spine, the size of the discs and how it they're always, they're always cantilevering to get food and stuff. And so they use that because it's very biomechanically similar And uh, for a lot of research. But anyway, you can take a, a jig and compress it because when you, when you do like a crunch, for example, or pick something up off the ground, the erectors, the abs – when they contract, it squeezes, it creates compressive force on the disc. So they'll put, you know, around like say, 2800 newtons of compressive force or something like that on the discs and they move it. They move it back and forth through a rate of motion thought to be similar to that when you pick something up off the ground. They'll do it for, <clears throat> you know, say 10,000 cycles and see how many, how many of the discs herniate, right. for example. Right.
1: yeah yeah that's interesting yeah he was I remember him talking and I, I he was favoring the hip thrust he thought that um if it was done properly I remember him talking about over like some people when they and you you do a lot of stuff on this in some of your videos i've I've seen you correct people when they're uh, overextending the lumbar spine when they're actually like humping the bar instead of hinging the bar so to speak
2: yeah it's funny he uh, he's always been a fan of the hip thrust um but he cautions people not to... It's like when I started tell, telling people to post your pelvic tilt, when you post your pelvic tilt, the lumbar spine moves a little bit into flexion. Just like when you anterior your tilt, your lumbar spine moves into extension a little bit. So I started realizing that if I had people... Well, it's funny. This is the things you learn is... Because like Stu's a good example of a pure... Like a pure researcher. Uh, like he studies things in a lab. And then me, I'm way more of a personal trainer coach. But I was talking to my good friend Ben Bruto one day. He trains celebrities out in Hollywood, and 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 athletes and stuff like that. But he he he's like Brett. I just tell people to look at the like where the ceiling meets the wall in front of them, and then that's then they they don't hyperextend. They don't they end up not hyperextending. And I was like, man, just yesterday I was. I was uh, looking for pictures for a blog post I was writing. This was several years back. And I was looking for pictures and I was trying to find, I was looking at videos of all my clients. And I'm like, man, I can't use any of these because they're, they're they're like looking forward and cranked down. And I'm like, maybe that's actually a good thing. So I started actually cueing it more. So then it, it moved to like, don't look up, look forward and move mostly from the sternum down. And that way they don't hyperextend their spines. They end up posterior tilting at the lockout and then everyone no one hurts themselves when you do it that way but the the the, the way people hurt themselves with hip thrusts is they their chest comes up too much and they hyper extend mm-hmm. and that can lead to damage but it's funny because Stu also cautions don't post your pelvic tilt too much but that that doesn't happen with the hip thrust too much right. but he he's always thinking of the spine and i'm kind of just thinking of what works in theory more like like hey in the last decade i've never had anyone hurt themselves with hip thrust you know right.
1: Right. In fact, uh, I have lumbar uh, spine issues from, from decades of squatting, and I, I had an orthopedic surgeon who's a good friend of mine. when I tore a couple hamstring attachments probably about five or six, maybe six years ago, and he got the pictures of me, and he said, man, you're going to have back problems someday. And, uh, and sure enough, it did. But in the morning, when I wake up, I, I bring my heels up, and I do like five or six thrusts in the bed, and I get out of bed and I have no pain. If I don't do those thrusts, I get out of bed and I got to walk for a while before the pain goes away. Yeah, so there's something to it, you know. And it could just be, it just could be dynamic flexion, dynamic movement. You know, just loosening things up a little bit more than anything else. Um, I want to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the book. We're talking today with Brett Contreras about his new book, Glute Lab, and you can get it at Amazon. Uh, or wherever finer books are sold. But also, you can also go to Brett's uh, website, which is BrettContreras.com. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Superhumor Radio. I love beef. And if you love beef, listen up. I've discovered the best tasting beef in the world, and that's not an exaggeration, at Piedmontese.com. The Piedmontese breed is famous from Italy for being lean and unbelievably tender with half the fat and calories of traditional beef. Even typically tough cuts are tender when it comes from the Piedmontese cows. And for the first time ever, Piedmontese cows are being raised here in the USA. Get two free 10-ounce New York strips when you purchase $50 or more at piedmontese.com with code SHR. Go to P-I-E-D-M-O-N-T-E-S-E.com and use code SHR today. You will never eat any other type of beef ever again. How often do you sit with your laptop right on your lap? How much time do you spend on your cell phone? Are you in a technology-packed office Monday through Friday? Are you worried about this type of radiation? Now there's something you can do about it. GetLambs.com. This radiation has been linked to infertility in men, glandular tumors, gut microbiome dysbiosis, and impaired sleep quality. Now you can provide 360-degree protection to at-risk parts of your body with radiation-proof apparel from Getlams.com. Comfortable, breathable, and 99% effective. Go to Getlams.com and use coupon code... SHR for 20% off your order of $100 or more. That's getLambs.com, G-E-T-L-A-M-B-S.com and code SHR.
0: New Mass Pro Synthogen X2 just upped its own legendary game. To distance itself even further from the rest of the pack, Synthogen X2 now has double the key active ingredients. If you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like, Synthogen X2 delivers. See why others compare it favorably to powerful bodybuilding drugs at synthogen.com. Mass Synthogen. When you train with it, you'll gain with it. Men and women, you've heard about hormone optimization. Do you feel like it's something you want to look into? RenewLifeRx.com is the place to start. Their doctors can help you with the solutions. RenewLifeRx.com has a simple process for lab work, consultation, and taking a deep dive into where your hormone levels can be improved. Superhuman radio listeners get 30% off your initial lab work and consultation. Go to RenewLifeRx.com to schedule your no-obligation Phone consultation today.
1: Feel younger, get in better shape, and be more productive at RenewLifeRx.com. Hey, this is Carl. For 14 years, you've heard me talk about CanSee eye drops, and they being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at now 61 years old. But I regularly get emails and messages from people who've been using CanSee and having some amazing results. Recently, I got an email from a fellow named Chad, who because he was on Dexamethasone eye drops for over six months, developed a cataract. CanSee eye drops actually. Reduce my cataract to the point where even my doctor has a hard time finding it. I will never stop using Cansey Eye Drops twice a day. I've been using them since 2008, he says. And you should be too. There is no better way to keep your eyes healthy and seeing clearly than see Eye Drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com today and get on board, and we will both be looking into the future with very clear vision. You've heard me talk about the chill pill on the show and how effective it is at helping people who. suffer from social anxiety, or sometimes when you just want to take the edge off uh, to a long, stressful day. Well, listen to this story from Dylan Goutreau.
3: Definitely takes anxiety away, which I have a long history of having. Started out at two milligrams a day of Xanax. That was at eight years old. And then, so I stopped using Benzos three years ago. Extremely difficult. Yeah, so I spent about three years trying to find anything and everything I could that would be healthy for me um, to help with anxiety because I'm talking, you know, full, full out panic attack. The the chilco was the first thing that i found that actually in the middle of a panic attack I can take and it definitely uh, subsides. Go to DrSeeds.com.
1: That's d r. R S E E D S.com. Use coupon code S H R and save 20% off your first bottle of the chill pill. Check it out. I promise. This is one supplement that delivers. You're listening to the superhuman channel. Don't hate us because we feel good. Welcome back. We're in, uh, in day 43 of the lockdown here in Kentucky. And uh, later in the show, I'm going to be talking about COVID-19 and uh, age stratification uh, to further uh, continue the discussion about uh, how we've handled pandemics in the past, how we're handling this one. We're talking right now with Brett Contreras about his new book, Glute Lab. You can get it at Amazon or you can get it uh, at his website, brettcontreras.com. So, you know, there are certain muscles that I guess you and I have both learned, you know, from being in the gym enough, that you can hit frequently. Forearms and calves, you can hit them every single day. Because these are muscles that are used to high repetitions, uh, just because of normal life. We're grabbing things, we're walking, and so on. And I don't know if this has to do with the uh, ratios of fast twitch and slow twitch fibers, but is there is there anything to that with the glutes? I see a lot of the... Um, women hitting their glutes almost daily? Are they one of those muscle groups that they can just take it and you don't have to worry about it?
2: So that's a very good question. And I've got a lot of science I'm going to throw at you here. But uh, interestingly, the glutes are not fast twitch like a lot of people think. They think, well, it's an explosive muscle group. But there's only two studies done on the topic. And these are older studies like done in like the 70s. And, um, you know, one group showed like 52% Uh, slow twitch and another showed like 67% slow twitch so it's it's not a very fast twitch as fast twitch as people think but regardless brad and i just yesterday got got this study published brad schoenfeld
1: yeah dr brad sure he's been Mm -hmm. on the show numerous times too
2: yeah he he and i just got uh, a a new study published and what uh, out of brad's lab in new york and basically they looked at the soleus versus the gastrocnemius, and they did, you know, high reps versus low reps. And In theory, the gastrocnemius is, is uh, you know, more equal, more similar, like fast and slow twitch, but the soleus is very slow twitch, mm-hmm. 80% of the fibers, and, they're, and they trained it with high reps versus low reps, and it, it didn't result in differential, uh, like different mu- mu- muscle gain, like the theory states. So that was the first study to really examine that, and it, kind of didn't show the evidence we, we thought it might. So that's that's remained to be seen. There needs to be more studies on it, but it, it casts some doubt on that whole theory. Now, as to what you said, though, in practice, we realize some muscles can be trained more frequently, and a lot of these women are training glutes all the time. But if you really think about it, think about the exercise that make you really sore, you know? <clears throat> like flies, really stretch the yeah. pecs, a Romanian deadlifts where you're, you're really stretching the hamstrings and you know lunges because you go real deep and, and stretch the glutes. So these exercises are really hard on the way down. You've got to lower kind of slowly. You can't just dive-bomb it, so you have a more pronounced eccentric phase, and then you stretch the muscle under long lengths, and it's like a contraction. It's trying to pull this way, mm-hmm. but you're lengthening it as it's contracting, so that creates the most damage. Well, think about when you do band work or hip thrust. The hip thrust is – you're down at the bottom of the hip thrust. You start moving up. It's kind of easy at the bottom. Mm-hmm. The other part is at the top when the glutes are at their shortest muscle length. You don't create a lot of damage doing hip thrusts and glute bridges. Mm-hmm. When you do band work, you're you're standing. You're not in a stretch. You move to the side. You move the leg laterally. The only hard part is kind of as you move your leg laterally, and it's in a shortened position. So there's no – not a lot of muscle damage. So you don't have to repair that muscle damage. It's like, if here's your baseline and you damage the muscle, then you've got to repair, repair, repair until it can grow bigger. And so you don't have the muscle damage. So that we need more research for, but that's my theory as to why you, you see, they're not doing doing lunges and deadlifts seven days a week. You know, if they did, I don't think they'd see good results.
1: And, and what does that say about training methodology in, in the first place? You know, I, I'm going to be 62 in a couple months. And a couple years ago, I started experimenting with hitting every body part every day for five days, but not taking them to complete exhaustion. So at the end of a week, maybe I ended up doing 100 reps in a certain movement, but I did it – in small aliquots where I wasn't trashing my central nervous system, I wasn't trashing the muscle, and I was able to do the work. And I saw great gains from that, which made me start thinking, you know, we, we, bodybuilding um, has given us lots of great things, but it's also given us lots of errors too. And this whole idea of taking muscles to uh, failure, whether it's concentric or eccentric, this whole idea of taking muscles to failure may actually be misguided you, you have any thoughts on that yeah um you know
2: if you look at the whole body and it's funny because this is where it's i just love being a scientific trainer like a guy who reads science because the theory is the theory is as you go closer and closer to failure like you start off a set of 10 or a set of 15 muscle activation isn't that high you know Rep one, rep two, and then it climbs a little bit as you move towards failure because you get greater activation of, you know, you, you recruit more motor units as you start fatiguing. So it's like, I'm, it's getting hard. It's getting harder. And then, oh my God, I can barely get another rep and you're eking it out and squeezing it out. Well, that rep is going to be that last rep theoretically cause, causes, um, induces a much greater hypertrophic stimulus because of two reasons. Number one, you have greater activation, so theoretically, like more tension mm-hmm. on the muscles. But also the time component. Like you could say you just hopped off of a, a, a you know a tall bench and landed ten times in a row. Your muscle activation, the quads, would be through the roof. But it's such a rapid contraction that you don't have the time availability to to, to create sufficient tension because cross bridges take time to develop mm-hmm. you know if you have really rapid that's why plyometrics and sprints don't build muscle as well as actual resistance training done properly so that last rep studies show that actually the last rep of a set to failure is the same time as a one rep max you know like you do a one rep max bench press or the 10th rep of your of, of a set of 10 to failure that last rep is the same speed uh, or very similar at least so so, the, so, in theory, going to failure is beneficial. In practice, you look at the whole body of research, and you clearly have to go close to fail. Like, you can't just do a set of ten with a weight you can do twenty times. It's got to be hard. Mm-hmm. But you clearly, based on the literature, the whole body of literature, you don't need to be training to failure for strength. Uh, and, and some, in some studies, it can be counterproductive. And then, you know, we don't have enough research on what it does to you hormonally, too, because it yeah. affects that. So if you train – so I, what I think is, you know, you can compensate by doing – you know, if you don't train as hard, you can do an extra set or something, and it it makes up for that. But, uh, you know, like, bottom line – and there's studies. A study was just published last week on this. They looked at rep speed and, like – how like how hard how close to failure you have to train based on the last rep the speed of the last rep, and it was you do have to come close to failure but not to failure. But I agree. I think it can be overdone, um, and I think Carl, we grew up in the bodybuilding era. Right. Remember every bodybuilder being like, I take every single set to complete muscular failure, and I'm going every
1: day, right? Every day, right? Yeah,
2: and I remember going. I don't know if I believe them because like I do a set to like if I do my first set of squats to failure or even chin ups, if I do a set of chin ups for as many reps as I can, the first set, I might get 12 reps. You know, the most I've ever done is 16, but 12 reps already. The second set, if I rest like two minutes, I'm already getting like eight and then the third set, I get like five, but you'll look at their workouts and it'll be like 10, 10, 10. So if you're really going to failure you, you go down yeah. you don't be the same so
1: yeah. no I know it's, it's funny and so and also you're, you have governors built into your brain that are designed to protect the heart there's this the brain is designed to keep you from giving yourself a heart attack and people don't realize you can't you can't derail that because what it does is it's, it starts to shut down uh, intonation into the muscle. To you, you you know that's why when they put that magnetic halo on your head in those labs where they do muscle work where they like you you they say take this uh, leg press to failure and you take it to failure and then and then they go could you do one more rep and you're like struggling you go, no I, and then they put that magnet on your head and you go Bomp. you know what i'm talking about that magnet that pulse magnet
2: no but i wonder if you're talking about Transcranial magnetic stimulation or whatever. Well,
1: they, 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 have, they, they have this uh, device in some of these labs where they test. This is where that whole, uh, you know, the granny who picked up the Volkswagen to save her grandson kind of theory comes right. from. So there's governors in the brain that are designed to keep you from shearing muscles off of bone or giving yourself a heart attack. And they're very effective in shutting down muscle activation. But they have a way to block that with a, a magnetic device. It looks like a halo. I saw, I saw a video about a study where they used it in the leg extension. They had a guy do leg extensions to failure. He couldn't do another rep. He brought the bar down. They said, try to do another rep, and he couldn't get it going. And while he was doing that, they put this little halo device, and his leg came right up. And they said, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're derailing the protective mechanisms in your brain that are designed to keep you from injuring yourself. And so that, that, I mean, people say, oh, yeah, I take it to failure. Y- your muscles may have a lot more gas in them, but your brain is telling you you're done, you know?
2: Well, it's, well, I've always been skeptical of that line of reasoning because you look at, like, voluntary activation, how hard someone can activate a muscle, and even beginners are at, like, 90%, you know, advanced or more, like, closer to 100. And then, because you can do these um, superimposed bursts of, like, you basically shock the muscles and you, you, that way, you activate every muscle group. Yeah. And you see, are they stronger that way? Right. What's the difference between how strong they are when you shock them versus how strong they are voluntarily? And uh, but regardless, what you're talking about, this governor that has, that central governor theory was postulated with running. And you think about it when you're running and you're like, oh my god, I, I'm I'm done. I can't I can't run anymore. And then, like, you, you it's your brain. It's uncomfortable. It's 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 a, your brain shutting you down. And really, if all of a sudden you're like, I can't run anymore, and someone was like, Oh my God, there's a tiger behind you, you you, <laughs> you, take, you off. take off. I know, you take out a sprint, and that's what I think about high. That's another reason why you remember when he talked about earlier how these women are training their their glutes very frequently. Like they're doing band work, and you know when you're doing band work and stuff like that, you're like. Uh, I I can't do any more reps, but it's just because it's uncomfortable. You really could get an extra five if you had to. So you're not really going to complete failure, and it's a good thing. It's
1: a, you know, you're not pushing it too hard. Yeah, perceived exertion, they call it in a lot of labs, right, (laughs) perceived exertion. I want to take one last commercial break and and bring you back, and I want to ask you a question about – Hip thrust being a better alternative for women who don't want their thighs to get bigger, but just their glutes to get bigger. Stay tuned with we'll be right Ben. Do you remember those delicious toaster pastries you had when you were a kid? You know, the rectangular sugar-filled snacks? Well, guess what? Legendary Foods has just made low-carb toaster pastry. This is the first of its kind, and honestly, these things are amazing. They have three to four net carb, less than one gram of sugar, and nine grams of protein. You can eat them right out of the wrapper or lightly toast them. The only question is, which flavor? Strawberry or brown sugar cinnamon? They're available at eatlegendary.com and Amazon. Redcon One is one of the fastest-growing supplement companies in the world today. That's because they produce supplements that deliver on their promises. From their flagship pre-workout Total War to their innovative whole food MREs and bars. Now you can get the deepest discount ever offered to any audience anywhere. Use code SHR and get 25% off all Redcon1 products today. SHR and 25% off. Go to Redcon1.com That's R-E-D-C-O-N the number one dot com. Ever wish there was a precise way to gauge your recovery from workout to workout? Or wonder if the money you're spending on your nootropic supplements are actually improving brain function? Maybe you're aging and you're noticing some changes in memory. Wouldn't being able to really test your brain be of great value? Well, now you can with great accuracy with The Brain Gauge. The Brain Gauge lets you test essential components of brain health and track your brain health history and all in the comfort of your own home. Go to gaugeyourbrain.com and use code SHR for $150 off this amazing device. That's gaugeyourbrain.com and SHR for $150 off. Crank your muscle gains to new heights by transforming every gram of protein you eat into 3 grams with Mass zymes. With 100,000 HUTs of protease per capsule, Mass Zymes increases your absorption of key amino acids, resulting in stronger, healthier digestion of proteins and certain vitamins that not only multiplies the impact of the protein you eat, but can also repair a damaged intestinal wall. Go to Mass Zymes SHR for 10% off. That's M-A- S-S-Z-Y-M-E-S dot com slash S-H-R.
4: 7,451. That's how many people kick the bucket, buy the farm, or cash in their chips every day in the United States. Yep, that means five people are going to meet their maker during this commercial. And no, our commercials are not the cause. Half of those who punch the clock for the final time will do so without life insurance. Call Big Lou at Term Provider before you are number 7452. If you're a 50-year-old male, a tad porky with a touch of diabetes, $1 million of term life insurance may only cost about 200 bucks a month. With more verified five-star reviews than any other Lou on the radio, Big Lou has saved thousands of people thousands on their term insurance premiums. Stop procrastinating and call Big Lou today at 800-560-0301. 800-560-0301. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He doesn't want to be number 7400 400- 152. Call 800-560-0301 or bigloo.com.
1: Are you still on the fence about body protection complex, BPC oral from drseeds.com? Listen to Maggie Kuhn, one of the owners of the C-Bus Lifting Company, Jim, in Columbus, Ohio.
3: I had been having some bagging tendon issues that weren't injuries, just, just things that were annoying. You know, I'm 58 years old, so just older tendon kind of issues. For us heralders, you know, we really don't stop training when we have just nagging issues. We just kind of keep pushing through, and I started the BPC. What I noticed was I was doing some heavy tricep stuff that um, that would have killed me um, before when I had an elbow problem, and I was able to do this with literally no pain at all.
1: Go to DrSeeds.com, dot com. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your bottle of BPC Body Protection Complex today.
0: Move over, superheroes. This is the Superhuman
1: Channel. Welcome back. So women are interesting creatures, aren't they? Right. Guys love big, thick thighs, right? We're like, oh, yeah, you know, I can't get my pants on. I got to buy 38 waist because the legs don't fit. Yeah. Women don't want big thighs. They just don't. And even if you say to them, but no, your thighs look beautiful. They're, they're, they're round and they're muscular. They're like, no, I don't want big thighs. And so is, is the hip thrust a better alternative for women than, say, the squat uh, or even the deadlift because – they're not going to really big build or, or are you going to build those quads and hamstrings indirectly because they are stabilizing the movement
2: so that's a very good question and trust me it's like half my clients here <laughs> that's what they they just don't want bigger legs they want bigger glutes in fact i one of my most popular uh blog posts uh, uh, back in the day was how to grow your glutes without growing the legs <laughs> you know it's um, and so, is the hip thrust better for that? Yes, I do believe so. But here's the thing. You actually do get high, as you mentioned, high quad and hamstring activity with the hip thrust. And it's like the hip thrust is actually like a good total lower body movement because you get the adductors or hip extensors, you know, and it does work the hamstrings and quads. The quads and the heavier you go, the quads have to activate more because um, it's actually a very complicated biomechanical concept. But basically, once your glutes kind of are over, like the, the, the knee is bent, so that takes the hamstrings out of it a lot. You start going heavier and heavier, you start feeling the hamstrings more because the glutes can't do the whole job, so it tr- your brain tries to activate the hamstrings more. But the hamstrings create hip extension and knee flexion at the same time. But in the hip thrust, you extend the knee just slightly as you come up. So you activate the quads more to prevent knee flexion from happening. So you, as you go heavier and heavier, you have to work more hamstrings and then therefore more quads. Uh, same thing with squats. You don't want to use the hamstrings much in a squat because if you do, the quad has to do more because the hamstrings create knee flexion, and in a squat you're getting knee extension. So uh, I do think there was probably even better movements like the barbell glute bridge, but it's not as much range of motion. You don't tend to feel your your quads quite as much with when your feet are when when your feet are on the floor or your feet are elevated, but it's just not as convenient of an exercise.
1: Um, but is is that because is that because once you're up, right? There's a compensatory relationship between the the hips to the upper body and the hips to the lower body. So your your quads have to work more because your core is is the, is the, on the other side. They have to stay kind of in balance with each other in order to get a uh, the proper hinging movement. Is that why? No, I
2: think it's like with the with, when you're against a bench, you're pushing back more and stuff, and you're mm. especially you get you get strong, and you figure out ways to cheat, and we're pushing back. And, uh, you know, right? With right. the glute bridge, you if you push back too much, you start sliding. Sliding, and, <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, regardless. You don't get as much range of motion. So you have high activation but not a lot of range of motion. It's mm-hmm. more kind of more quasi-isometric. So I don't think you'd get as much growth with the quads and hamstrings as you would with squats and deadlifts, like squats for the quads and deadlifts with the hamstrings. But regardless, it is a better movement for that. But I think you'd have to stay higher reps, You know, put a band around the knees, and you'd get even more glute activation that way in my opinion.
1: So anything coming up? Are you attending any seminars, any lectures, anything in the future?
2: Not really. I'm actually trying, this book took so much out of me. I'm trying to lay low for a year and recover. That Good. The book really took a lot out of me.
1: Good. And so every day do you have people who come to the Glute Lab and work with you?
2: Yeah. It's uh... – it's uh, I've trained tons of people out of here, and it's been nice.
1: Well, right now you're shut down, right, because of COVID nineteen. Right now, yeah. shut down.
2: Yeah. But, yeah, but like normally, I train people every day.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exciting, very, very exciting. Are you working with any celebrities that you can mention? Kind of. Uh... Well, I don't.
2: I don't train celebrities. I I think about moving to L A, but I actually don't want to because I'd be. I don't want to become like, you know, like a competitive about that. Like, I'd, I'd move to L A. and I'd be telling everyone like, hey. Tell the Rock to come train with me. I yeah, want to train right. the train this person. Then I'd be I'd be obsessed with that, and then I'd be, and then you know the celebrities are also very busy. They and they need to re like you might have a schedule, but then you wake up to a couple texts from your celebrity clients saying, "Hey, I got to move my ten o'clock to eleven o'clock," and now you're trying to reshuffle the whole rest of your day. Seems like it'd be very, very stressful Hectic. life. Yeah, and, and if you don't reshuffle it, they'll find someone who will. So right, right. No, that's interesting. That's no life for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you get back to Arizona at all once in a while? Yeah, I actually went during Christmas time. I thought it was funny because I, I actually rented a room at the, the Princess, like Scottsdale Princess, yeah. and uh, like rented a. I drive I drive a crummy car, but I rented like a you know, like a Dodge Challenger, and I was all I. I I'm going to be driving all around. I'm going to have people visit me. I'm staying at this nice suite, and you know how it is when you visit your hometown. Every person I call, they're like, "Yeah, I got to see you." And then I call them, "Hey, when do you want?" And they're all busy. And yeah. I'm like, "God, you're yeah. never a profit in your own land." You know?
1: Have you ever eaten at uh, Bandera's in Scottsdale? The, the- oh yeah, that place. The steaks are amazing. But but I they make the best cornbread. They put they put creamed corn yes. in their cornbread. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I'll I'll go there and I'll eat two plates of that cornbread, and then hate myself for the next two days yeah. after it. But yeah,
2: I know the feeling.
1: Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Listen, it's really great having you uh, back on the show. Uh, you know, you're welcome to come on anytime you want to promote a book or Thank anything you. like that. Thank you
2: very much. I yeah, appreciate that. And,
1: and so, stay in touch. And uh, there you go. Get the get the book at Amazon. Um, you know, I, I looked at the book. Uh, it's not a book that you read per se. It's really more of a handbook. It's yeah. like okay so I want to do this what's the best way to do it and it's more like a, an encyclopedia uh, yeah. for strength and conditioning than anything else. It. It's not you something do you, you do just it. read from cover to cover. It's not that kind of book.
2: We I wanted to make a book where you'd be proud to put on your leave it on your coffee table.
1: Yeah, it is and it is good looking and it's substantial. It's a big yeah. book. I mean uh it's, it's it weighs it, 6 pounds. Does it really? No, there you go. You can do two of them and do hip thrusts with them. Get two of them and get do <laughs> hip thrusts with them. All right, good seeing you, Brett. Thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, Carl. Take care. And we're going to take one quick commercial break. And when we come back, I'm going to uh, share some information about past pandemics with you. And uh, I want to talk about, you know, I'm trying to apply some real critical thinking to what's going on in our lives today. Um, the last couple of days, I've I've done this and I think I've I've hit some home runs. I've gotten a lot of messages from people saying that it makes a lot of sense about how the, this uh, this uh, uh, virus both seeded and spread into our uh, into our population. Uh, why some cities are having a worse time than others, and uh, but today I want to talk about age stratification and uh, past pandemics uh, because we're talking about how the elderly and the predominantly unhealthy population are the ones at greatest risk. But that's nothing new. That's the way it is with the the flu as well. Stay tuned.
3: Quest Nutrition makes bars, cookies, chips, and pizzas out of complete dairy-based proteins. Our products minimize net carbs and sugar without sacrificing taste. Each delicious chocolate-flavored chip, cookie chunk, and crunchy crumble is custom-made to maintain Quest macros. It's time to enjoy foods that work for you, not against you. It's time to enjoy your Quest.
1: How often do you sit with your laptop right on your lap? How much time do you spend on your cell phone? Are you in a technology-packed office Monday through Friday? Are you worried about this type of radiation? Now there's something you can do about it. GetLambs.com. This radiation has been linked to infertility in men, glandular tumors, gut microbiome dysbiosis, and impaired sleep quality. Now you can provide 360-degree protection to at-risk parts of your body with radiation-proof apparel from GetLams.com. Comfortable, breathable, and 99% effective. Go to GetLams.com and use coupon code SHR for 20% off your order of $100 or more. That's getlams.com G-E-T-L-A-M-B-S dot com and code SHR. New Mass Pro Synthogen X2
0: just upped its own legendary game. To distance itself even further from the rest of the pack, Synthogen X2 now has double the key active ingredients. If you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like, Synthogen X2 delivers. See why others compare it favorably to powerful bodybuilding drugs at Synthogen.com. Mass Pro
1: Synthogen. Would you train with it you'll gain with it you've heard me talk about the chill pill on the show and how effective it is at helping people who suffer from social anxiety or sometimes when you just want to take the edge off uh, to a long stressful day well listen to this story from dylan Gutro definitely
3: takes anxiety away which i have a long history of Having started out at two milligrams a day of Xanax, that was at eight years old, and then, so I stopped using benzos three years ago. Extremely difficult. Yeah, so I spent about three years trying to find anything and everything I could that would be healthy for me um, to help with anxiety because I'm talking, you know, full bull out panic attack. The the Chilko was the first thing that I found that actually, in the middle of a panic attack, I can take and it definitely uh, subsides.
1: Go to DrSeeds.com. That's D. R S E E D Use coupon code S H R and save 20% off your first bottle of the chill pill. Check it out. I promise. This is one supplement that delivers. Do you remember those delicious toaster pastries you had when you were a kid? You know, the rectangular sugar-filled snacks? Well, guess what? Legendary Foods has just made low-carb toaster pastry. This is the first of its kind, and honestly, these things are amazing. They have three to four net carb, less than one gram of sugar, and nine grams of protein. You can eat them right out of the wrapper or lightly toast them. The only question is, which flavor? Strawberry or brown sugar cinnamon? They're available at eatlegendary.com and Amazon. Ever wish there was a precise way to gauge your recovery from workout to workout? Or wonder if the money you're spending on your nootropic supplements are actually improving brain function? Maybe you're aging and you're noticing some changes in memory. Wouldn't being able to really test your brain be of great value? Well, now you can with great accuracy with the Brain Gauge. The Brain Gauge lets you test essential components of brain health and track your brain health history and all in the comfort of your own home. Go to gaugeyourbrain.com and use code SHR for 150. $50 off this amazing device. That's gaugeyourbrain.com and SHR for $150 off. This is the Superhuman Channel, doing reps with the weight of the world. Welcome back. So, a couple days ago I talked about the seeding and spreading of this virus. Basically, in short terms, places that have large international travel hubs and a large dependency on mass transit are the places that this virus exploded. And really, we didn't have to shut down the whole country. We just need to shut down those places because it was people who traveled from those epicenters outward that brought it home to their little towns. And this is indisputable. In fact, Tamar last half of tomorrow's show, I've got a brilliant statistician and actuarial coming on the show. He's a friend of mine. And I said, Mark, would you look at these numbers and see if there's anything to this? I think I've discovered why some places are having a worse time than others. And he told me, he said, it it, it looks good, this theory of mine. Okay. And then yesterday, I did a little thing about the uh, real heroes of this uh, pandemic, and that's the people who've lost their jobs and. And because it's a well-known and well-studied fact, science proves what I'm about to say, dating back to 2002 and beyond, that as unemployment goes up, death rates go up, and especially suicides. And we're already seeing suicides go up in this short period of time. And there's a number out there that's used by everybody who talks about the relationship between unemployment and death, that for every 1% rise in unemployment, represents 40,000 deaths. I think that's a very underestimated number for a variety of reasons that I gave yesterday in detail. However, since this number is accepted by everybody, it's even used in Hollywood movies like uh, The Big Short. Brad Pitt says it uh, to the guys in the casino when they're all raving about making a bunch of money. He says, hey, man, calm down. This represents a lot of people losing their jobs. For every 1%, the unemployment rate goes up. That's 40,000 deaths. And I used that yesterday, subtracted the previous unemployment rate before the pandemic against the expected unemployment rate, which is predicted to be between 15 and 21%. And we came up with 480,000 deaths. And a lot of people go, oh, Carl, how could that? No, we know that as the unemployment rate goes up, these deaths happen. And so if the science is science, which it is, then we can expect close to a half a million debts as the months play out from people who've lost their jobs. And so I, I've, been, I've been thinking a lot about past pandemics. So H1N1 uh, killed predominantly young people, children. And, but it was transmitted to elderly people and, old, and adults and so on. I think I even got it, to be honest with you. We talked about it on the show back in 2009. I was sick for about three days. I was down. Uh, And when I came back, I had lost my voice. I sounded like uh, Barry White. I joked and said, Barry White's doing the show this week. When you um, look at the way we treated that pandemic, we did close some schools. We did. Not forever, but for a while. The first wave, so to speak. But because it was kids... We were like, oh, you know, we just have to close the schools and this, it'll be fine. The adults will be okay. And we still lost a lot of adults to that pandemic. A lot of people died. I think there's some estimations that I want to say I recall somewhere around 90,000 to 100,000 people in the United States died because of H1N1. Big number. Very big number. But we didn't shut down the country. We just shut the schools. Again, going back to my theory— if, it, if the pandemic, is, it, it occurs in the epicenters that are driven by international travel hubs and mass transit, then we should have just shut those places down. The way we shut the schools down to protect the kids. But elderly people and people with comorbidities, and those are type 2 diabetes and everything that's related to it, obesity, um, autoimmune disorders, They die at a much higher rate from just the seasonal flu. The flu is stratified by age. Uh, People in their 30s and 40s, they don't die from it as much. Um, Very young children, they die from it. But, you know, 10-year-old, 12-year-old kids, they don't die from it. The people who die from the the seasonal flu are the elderly people, and they're the ones who run and get a vaccine at Walgreens every year, because they don't want to get the flu, but they also do other things. When, when they know it's flu season, they're much more cautious about being around large numbers of people. They wash their hands more. If you ask elderly people, well, what do you do during the seasonal flu? They don't say, Oh, we don't care. We just go there. Oh, well we're cautious. And if somebody doesn't feel good, we tell them not to come over to the house. All of these things could have been done with this pandemic. We're finding out, um, The death rate of this pandemic is slowly being shown to be in the percents of 1%, not the 5%, 2% that people were predicting. And and the absurd numbers that first came out, you know, when we first heard about it, which, you know, 10% of them. Don't forget, they said a million people were going to die in the United States from this virus. Let's not forget that. I guess my point here is this. We've handled past pandemics that threaten to kill our children with much more decorum and sensibility than we're handling this pandemic that threatens to kill old people and people who already are sick. And those people are the ones that die from the seasonal flu. If you look at I'm going to attach the studies to today's discussion so you can go and look at them. But if you look at the research behind this, older people, except for H1N1, that was a unique one. H1N1 killed kids, and we closed the schools. We didn't shut down the country. We didn't say, Mom and Dad, you can't go to work because you may be bringing it home to your kids. We didn't say that. Now, are children's lives worth less than the elderly and the already ill? That's a rhetorical question because you and I both know that's not the case. If if anything, they're worth more. From an evolutionary perspective, those of us, once we have children, we don't really need to be around. Once we've raised them and they're on their own, you know, we could could check out. Our goal as a species is to have children and launch them and then, you know, live out our lives. So children are worth more, if you want to look at the value of a human life, than an old person and certainly more than a sick person. Sadly to say, but it's the truth and, and don't be offended because it's the truth. But the reality is that we didn't shut down businesses because we didn't want the people who worked in businesses to bring the H1N1 virus home and kill their kids. We didn't do that. But today we've shut down the whole country. And we're destroying the economy, which I predict. And you heard it here first. First. I know I don't have the audience of a Dr. Oz or anybody else, but just remember that I I said this months from now, maybe even next year, we're going to talk about the deaths as a result of the massive unemployment. And I predict that those numbers are going to be way, 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 way more dead from the way we handle this virus than the virus itself. I predict. So you heard it here. When you hear it again, a year from now, you go, man, that guy, Carl said that. I can't believe that. You know, he's not such a schmuck after all. Um, yes, Scott Lawler is, is, is pointing out that the one million number was if we take no precautions at all. I do agree that death rate will be lower than the original proposed number. And that's true because we took, but it's not because, <clears throat> it's not because of Kentucky. It's not because of North and South Dakota. It's because of New York and California and Washington. It's because of the epicenters. Um, don't take this as my my saying, we should stay shut down. The idea of shutdown is to buy time. But here's the problem with that, Scott. So the reason we're shut down, re, let, let's go back, since you're you're coming up with this and this is a valid point. Uh, I wasn't going to get into this, but I want to now. So... Let's go back to the reason that we shut down. So the fear was that the spike of this virus would be so high and so fast that, let's say this is the spike. Imagine I'm drawing a line. And this right here, this line is the capacity of hospitals to handle those cases. The reason we talked about flattening the curve is because, A, this virus has to run its course. It will either run its course in the course of a couple months or it's run, run its course in the course of a year. But it has to run its course. Virologists will all agree with this. They'll all say, yeah, no, this isn't going to go away until it, it runs its course. Because every time you get it and I get it, it mutates and it changes to something else. And we contribute to its uh, reduction in risk by it passing through the population. This is a fact. That's what herd immunity is. But remember, the reason that we wanted to flatten the curve is because the hospitals could only handle this much with ventilators and hospital beds and all that sort of stuff. It wasn't because we thought we could stop the virus from running its course. But now... The excessive down pressure to flatten the curve more than what it was originally suggested is just going to take this virus and make it take longer to run its course. Instead of it running its course, let's say, in a couple, three months, it could be running its course through the rest of the year. So it's misguided. The, the way non-scientific politicians have taken this idea of flattening the curve to avoid... Uh, an over, uh, uh, what's the word I'm uh, uh, an unnecessary demand of unavailable hospital beds and stuff has turned into like a pissing competition now. Well, we're going to keep people locked up till June. Oh, we're going to do it till July. They're not going to, we're still going to have the same death rate predicted, uh, believe it or not. Virologists will tell you this because it has to run its course in order for it to go away. That, that, that's not even the real issue here. The real issue here is that we did not have to shut the entire country down. We did not. And I will not, uh, I, I, I'll debate that with anybody. If we would have looked at New York because they're epicenters of, uh, and New York specifically, because it's an epicenter of worldwide travel and they have a massive demand and dependency on mass transit. And we would have said to New Yorkers, you can't leave New York. Got to stay in New York and probably Jersey, too, because Jersey and New York, they're just they're, they're like almost like the same state now. People who work in Manhattan, they live in Jersey and Connecticut is kind of like that. If we would have just taken those states there and then, of course, Washington State and Los Angeles and maybe one or two other places that appeared to have both contributing fact uh, effects of international travel, high abundance of international travel, real travel, travel hub there, and mass transit, uh, transit uh, dependency, and we would have shut those places down? Places like North and South Dakota, Kentucky, we could have gone on our way. We would have had some cases because of people that continued to travel. I know people, I, I said this the other day, I know a guy who got, got it because his daughter and, and grandchildren didn't want to stay in New York. They were afraid. They didn't get it. They carried it to him, and him and his wife got it. So I just think that we need to reflect on what we've done in past pandemics and ask ourselves, why are we doing this now? And really, I'm happy to say that our governor here in Kentucky, maybe he's listening to people, uh, is talking about loosening up things uh, in, in May and possibly uh, everything back to normal mid-June. And I think that's, I think that's sensible. I'm not like, Oh no, you got to do it faster. No, we we don't want to do that. But I I just think that the whole, you, you mark my words. We're going to look back at this and notice two things years from now. Number one, the deaths from unemployment topped what we predicted the deaths would be from COVID-19. And There's going to be a lot of brilliant people who are going to say, you know, we really didn't handle this right. If we would have just shut down New York and New Jersey and Connecticut and California and said, hey, you people have to stay home in your state, social distance there. And we could have social distance here, too. That's not a bad thing. But I mean, if they would have just taken the actions that we took for the whole country with just those epicenters, I predict that this would have turned out a lot different. And I don't think we would have... And we're seeing, that, we're seeing this in other countries. We're seeing it in Sweden and places like that. We're seeing this. So anyway, that's my two cents. But ultimately, I want people to stay safe and healthy. And I also want people who are at risk to think about changing their lives. Uh, because you have an opportunity to get stronger and use this as a springboard for a reason. To start paying attention to your health. Paying attention to exercising and moving more. Eating less crap food. You know, um, a couple of these pork companies that are going by the wayside, they make processed meats that have been tied to all sorts of things. I'm not too sad if they go away, gotta be honest with you. Smithfield Farm, places like that. I mean, they're not, you can buy good pork from a farmer, you can buy good pork in a grocery store, but that processed stuff between the uh, high heat uh, cooking that they use, the things that they add to it, Uh, the rates of sodium in them, I mean, I I may piss people off, but I I don't think I'll miss them if they went away. Uh, That's just my two CCs, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, We have great shows for the next two weeks. Elisa is knocking it out of the park, i got to be honest with you, some of the shows that we're going to be doing. In fact, um, we're going to start creating a schedule so you can see what shows are coming up in the entire week at a time because she's that good. She's that efficient. She's got us booked for the next three weeks already. I'll be doing five shows a week for the next three weeks, absolutely. So be prepared. All right, look, thank you for being here. Uh, Scott Lawler, thank you for always uh, putting good comments up there and challenging me. I like that sort of stuff. I don't know it all. In fact, I don't know much of anything, to be honest with you. But thank you for being here, and we'll see everybody tomorrow with more Superhuman Radio. Please share the show, and we'll see you then.